Broadcasting live from the PHX.FM studio in Phoenix, Arizona. It's time for Valley Business Radio, spotlighting the Valley's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to Valley Business Radio, where we tell the stories traditional media tends to ignore and help connect you with the right people. I'm Adrian McIntyre. Today's show is another installment in our mini-series on financial topics brought to you by the team at Wild Wealth Management Group, an award-winning independent financial advisory firm that provides comprehensive retirement, investment, real estate, insurance, legal, and tax planning services all under one roof. Each Wednesday, professionals from the firm and their trusted partners delve into topics ranging from retirement and the stock market to college planning, real estate, and insurance. Over the next few episodes, we're doing a deep dive into popular retirement plans and everything you need to know. Today, we're discussing all things 401k. To tell us everything we need to know, we're welcoming Michael Obanoff, an investment advisor representative with Wild Wealth Management Group, who also shares his talents on the ice, coaching youth hockey in his spare time. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you, Adrian. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Ice and the desert. That's not something that people commonly associate, although we've got a great hockey team here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, the the hobby side, but also the professional side. How'd you get into what you do today? Yeah, so a little bit about background. I grew up in Illinois, uh, played hockey since probably age of three, uh, traveled all over the country, uh, all over North America, uh, and then moved out to Arizona after college, did not want to be in the Midwest where it was freezing anymore in the wintertime. Uh, but how I got into what I do was I really loved the stock market since I was caddying um, as a job during the summers back home when I was in middle school up through high school and college. So wanted somewhere to save my money. And uh, my dad did stock stuff, uh, not as a career, but as a hobby. So I got involved with that, Uh, just asking him about things. And then I wanted to do it after I got out of school and I love it and uh, wouldn't see myself doing much different than what I do right now. I love it that people develop a passion for these topics and for helping people, which always comes together uh, in this line of work. We're talking today about something that, you know, a lot of folks think a lot about and not always at the right time in their own lifespan. And that is retirement. You know, it's this thing that everyone knows is important, but somehow doesn't seem to get a sense of urgency for some people until, you know, they're, they're approaching it and they're worried about outliving their money. So we're going to talk about 401ks and give us a little thumbnail sketch here. What is a 401k and how does it fit into the broader financial picture for someone? Yeah, and I think you described it pretty well. Unfortunately, too many Americans don't save enough money and they think that they can do it later on because they're young or whatever the case may be. It's just a second thought for them, for many of them. Um, And unfortunately, I mean, time is what's going to ultimately make you be able to retire and being able to save over those that that duration of years is what's going to be astronomical in your financial plan and your financial future when you retire. So, I mean, just a rundown. I mean, four hundred one k is probably the most retire or most popular retirement plan in America right now. but for those that don't know, it's a qualified plan that gives you some tax benefit uh, from the IRS in which you're able to save money. And in a lot of cases, your employer will match you, whether it's dollar for dollar, whether it's 50 cents on the dollar up to a certain threshold, which is basically free money right out the gate. Now, not all employers do that, but a lot of them I do see do that. This is the kind of thing where there are some ways to be smart about how you use your 401k, how you pay into it and so on. There's some things you don't control because this is an employer sponsored plan. They've kind of determined some of the, some of the framework, but 
what do folks need to know to, first of all, learn about what they have available to them? And second of all, how to maximize uh, the benefits they're going to get? Yeah, so I'll start with your second question because I think it's a really important question. So how to maximize what they're going to get? I think the first thing that they should be looking at is, okay, how much am I able to put in? And then what is the employer matching on what I'm putting in? So the company match, if it's available, is probably the first thing I'd be looking at because that is the number one thing I tell every client or prospect that they should be taking advantage of for sure is the match and do not put in below what their maximum is because it's free money right away. And then uh, as far as the other things I think that they should be looking for up front is, okay, well, what are my investment options within the plan? What, how old am I and what kind of risk tolerance do I have for volatility in the market? And as we've seen with the COVID-19 and all that, there's been a ton of volatility this year and we've actually had quite the run up since then. But what are the investment options and how should I be allocated within those funds? That's probably the second most important thing that I would talk about. But another really important thing is, okay, well, how much do I need to put in if I'm concerned about taxes? How much do I need to be contributing of my own money, not counting the employer's money, but of my own contribution? How much do I need to be putting away into that if it's a traditional 401k plan to get myself into a lower tax bracket? So that's another thing to consider. And then obviously there could be a Roth option, but that may be later in this discussion anyway. So I'll leave that. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about the Roth. It it, try, it strikes me as as an interesting set of interdependent um, calculations and issues. I mean, you really need to think about your your long term goals, and then figure out how to 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 do the right thing today. And listen, let's be honest human beings aren't great at this kind of calculation because we typically want to maximize our benefit today. It's just the way we're wired. We, we want, you know, if there's three cookies on the table and we can have two now, we'd like to have two now instead of having five next week. You know what I mean? So yep. uh, great how do you get folks to, to think about the fact that in order to do what you're saying, which is maximize their, their contributions, especially if there's a match available from the employer, how do you get them to the place where they're willing to do that today, knowing they're not going to see that money for something fun next week, but it is going to fund something important later in life? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think a lot of that comes down to stepping stones and comfortability. Say somebody that's going to go, let's say, try and throw in the MLB and be a pitcher. They're not going to just go from starting in their backyard to automatically being in the MLB. They're going to take stepping stones to get them there. It's similar with savings. Like you're not just going to go maximize your savings potential right away. It's a really good point. I see where you're going with this. If, if I have a lofty goal, I can't go all out tomorrow and expect to get there. If I want to run a marathon is what I, what came to mind. I can't go run 26.2 miles tomorrow on my training plan. I have to, you know, run my first mile and then recover. And then the next day run my second, you know, kind of build toward it. So what you're saying is somebody can maximize their contributions, but they don't have to do it all at once. They have to get there. Correct. Yeah. And I think once people, and is what I've seen from my clients or from prospects or from even friends, just from having discussions with people, because it's something that we talk about. Once you get comfortable at a certain threshold, then you start maximizing. So yeah, that's a great point. And you're going to go run 26 miles. You're not going to just go out there and run 26 miles tomorrow. There's, there's something interesting here, which is somehow I woke up yesterday and realized that I'm about to turn 47. And 
you know, I still feel in my head, you know, like, like I'm 29 or 32 maybe. Um, but somehow I'm 47. That went fast. There's a flip side of this equation for employees, which is not just on the front end, how you put into the plan, how you fund the plan, but then on the other side of retirement, how you use the plan. Let's talk about that a little bit, because we've talked about being smart on the front end to build up the retirement account that you plan to use. What happens after you need it? Yeah, great question. So, I, I mean, any financial plan. So, while I'm working with clients, it's not just about, okay, we're going to put this money into XYZ stocks or mutual funds or ETFs and bonds or whatever. It's how we're allocated across multiple different sectors, multiple different asset classes. So with the 401k, if we're just talking about the 401k, once we get to there, we're going to have a plan that's aligned with your goals that when we do start to need that money, okay, well, what other options are available and what is the best option for that particular time period? Maybe year one, we start taking money of retirement. Maybe year one, we start taking money out of your 401k because that may be the best distribution option. Or maybe we take it out of a real estate investment that you had that you no longer want, or we take it out of uh, your brokerage account or your liquid TOD account. So having a plan around tax and how you're going to be taxed, or if you have a pension, which is starting to go more on the wayside, but it's going to be looking at exactly, okay, well, what is the tax consequence to you? Because if you're in the traditional 401k, you're going to be taxed on the way out. So does it make sense in year one to start taking money from there? Or do we have other asset classes that we can pull from tax free? So it's going to be more of a planning thing and a more of, okay, well, what's going on with tax brackets and tax rates at that particular time? I'd like to hear some of your thoughts about how to maximize this being taxed on the way in versus being taxed on the way out, which is, of course, going to bring up the Roth IRA. But quickly here, it sounds to me like this is another one of those things that's just a screamingly obvious argument for having a, a, a professional in your corner, because I don't know half the things you just referred to. I wouldn't think to think about them. And even though well, I'm smart enough, I could try to figure it out. What you've just described is a sort of systematic way of looking with a client at their options and and really developing a strategy uh, that's going to help them. When you're talking to folks in with that financial planner hat on, really looking together at their goals and, and ways to get there, what are some of the common pitfalls or mistakes or um, or sort of wrong assumptions that you typically find yourself having to educate folks about? In other words, you see it all, right? What are some of the big kind of if adding value right here in this conversation at a, at a very general level, obviously people would need to get specific advice inside of a professional relationship with you, but at a general level, what are, what are some of the things that you're often helping people correct in their thinking? I would say for sure it's the taxes of when you go to take money. I think a lot of people, to your point a little earlier, was that they want stuff now and we're driven up based on what's happening right now versus what's happening later. And I think that's a similar situation when people go to pull money out of whatever account it is that they have. They want the money, they see that it's there, and then they know that there could be a tax or there is a tax, and then they just go pull it anyway. And maybe that wasn't the best option because of the tax situation. So I would say taxes and people being unaware of how the taxes work or how we may be able to work around taxes in various accounts based on the timing. You're going to have to pay Uncle Sam. It's just a matter of how you do it. 
more efficiently and effectively and when it makes the most sense for your particular situation. And that, and that really does require a, a close look, you know, shoulder to shoulder with a professional because it's not the same answer for everybody. Yeah. And there's a lot of nuances and I'm just trying to keep it at a high level. There's a lot sure. of nuances with all sorts of different accounts. And that's why I think having a plan for every particular person with goals is more important than just having in one investment account that's strictly designed to get as much return as possible. That's all fine and dandy, but we got to take other things into account that nobody, not nobody, but a lot of people don't think about. Makes a lot of sense. Let's talk now about the differences between a traditional 401k and a Roth 401k. This is something some folks may be familiar with, but many folks may not understand. Uh, talk to me about the differences and why the different situations in which those things make sense. With a traditional 401k, you're putting in money and you're not paying tax right away. So you're deferring your taxes to later. So if I go put in $10,000 into my 401k in the year of 2020, and that came from income from my employer, none of that is taxed. What you take home obviously is, but if you defer that right in right away into your traditional 401k, you will be paying tax when you go to take it out later on uh, at age 59 and a half or whenever you decide to thereafter. Um, with the Roth option, you're gonna be paying tax at your current tax bracket and you're not gonna pay taxes when you go to pull it out later on age 59 and a half or thereafter. So it's a way that if you want to, if you think that you're in a lower tax bracket now than you may be in the future when you go to access that money, I think it's wise to put the money into a Roth option if you have it through your employer. So that way you can go pull the money out tax-free with the growth as well. And then you paid taxes today versus in 20 years, 10 years, whatever it may be in your particular situation. Now, is this an either or type thing? Do I have to pick only traditional 401k or only Roth 401k? It depends. It all depends on how the employer has sponsored the plan. So there's there's employer plans that only allow for traditional. There's employer plans that allow for both traditional and Roth. It depends on everybody's situation. I encourage taking as much advantage of the Roth option that you can, depending on your tax bracket at the moment. Um, but I do see a lot of my clients that have both traditional monies and then Roth monies. So it's kind of, it's kind of a unique situation to each individual. And again, one of those things where you knowing all the different tools in the toolkit can help you really customize a plan for someone. There's, this, there's some other constraints on the Roth, isn't there? I mean, they're only av available up to a certain income uh, limit. So something you might want to be thinking about earlier in a career. Is that right? Or am I misunderstanding that? As far as like my younger clients, um, they are mostly more qualified for the Roth option just because the phase out limit on a single filer is 137,000, which means if you're making 140,000 as taxable income, you're no longer eligible for the Roth option. If you're married, 203,000 if you're filing jointly is that threshold. So yeah, when you're younger in your career or when you're, you have an income, not necessarily just younger in your career, as long as your income doesn't exceed those two thresholds, whether single or married, you can t utilize that Roth option and not have to pay tax on the way out. Now, there's a lot of other tools in the retirement planning toolkit, and we'll be talking about those in other episodes of this show. But here on the 401k issue specifically, you mentioned uh, COVID-19 earlier on, and obviously this is something that has impacted all kinds of folks in all kinds of ways. Um, not all good, but not all bad either. 
How is the ongoing COVID-19 crisis affecting 401ks and, and people's retirement planning more generally? As far as COVID stuff, like my opinion has, my opinion is always changing with where the market's at, with what's going on geopolitically, uh, with other issues like COVID, uh, which to be quite honest, most people didn't see having the effect that it has had in such a short time frame. Uh, with the 401k though, er, earlier in this year, when everything was kind of starting to pull back and we were having basically a shut down, if you want to call it that, I saw a lot of people like kind of scrambling, kind of worrying. And I was actually encouraging clients if they can afford it and if they still have good job stability to actually increase their contributions to their 401k. Because while the market was falling, there's usually, historically speaking, now that does not guarantee future results, you generally come out on the upside uh, if you're taking advantage of some of the swings in the market. So I actually saw a lot of my clients increase their contributions during February, March, April, May, and some of them still have them at that. And they've seen a lot of good return from that. Now, that's not always going to work that way. But I would actually have seen my clients taking advantage of putting more into their 401ks this year than I have in the past years. Human psychology really is fundamentally what we're talking about here. And the the general knee-jerk reaction, which is never, you know, emotional decision making is bad investing for sure. I think there's no there's no question about that. But we're not immune to it. Like knowing that doesn't protect us from from the impact of these of these emotional roller coasters and this kind of knee-jerk decision making. But what you're speaking to is a basic shift in perspective that when markets are down, high quality things are available at a discount. And when markets are up, you're able to obviously, you know, benefit from that increase. A lot of folks, though, look at the single number on their account, see that number going down, panic and think, I've got to go to cash or I've got to somehow protect myself from these uh, swings in the market. And these are certainly uh, unprecedented times, at least in our memory, uh, although the world has been through things like this before. Um, how are you counseling your clients to steady the course and kind of, you know, keep focused on on what matters as a lot of pressure um, and fear and concern has has really crept in to some of our decision making? It's kind of a juggling act. I mean, human nature is you want the best of both worlds. You want to get as much growth out of your investments and you want to lose as least as possible. Now, if I had a crystal ball and knew exactly when to do all those things, I mean, I probably wouldn't be sitting here uh, and most people wouldn't if they were able to predict that. But it's, yeah, it, it is a juggling act of, okay, well, what are you comfortable with on the downside and how will you react? Because the hardest part is taking emotion, like you were saying, out of decision-making. And I think that is the biggest reason I see people that don't, at least throughout this year, that don't work with some sort of planner, some sort of advisor, that their best interest is managing your money for you and helping you to achieve your goals. But they have they don't have the same emotional tie to what's happening as your average person may. Which I And what I mean by that is if the market's pulling back 20%, I'm not going to go tell my client, now it all depends on circumstance, but in this particular scenario, I'm not going to go tell my client, oh, we need to pull everything to cash. Because had I done that, I mean, as we've seen over the last, let's call it four months-ish, it would have looked foolish had I not gotten back into the market, right? So we got it. My job is to educate my clients on, okay, these things are going to happen. And this is part of the initial conversation I have before someone becomes a client is these things are going to happen. 
I need to know what you're comfortable with on the downside. And we need to talk about that in almost every review that we have. And knowing that will help me to understand where they sit and how I make decisions around their accounts for them or help them with whatever their financial 401k situation may be or contributions, things like that. And just coaching them through, okay, well, here's what we can expect. And before you do anything brash, we need to have a conversation if you're considering something that doesn't align with our plan. Final question here, Michael, the CARES Act that was passed earlier this year had a provision in it specifically with regard to borrowing money from the 401k. Uh, was, is that a good idea? Is that a bad idea? What do folks need to know about that? It depends on the situation. So good or good idea, bad idea, I don't really know unless I know someone's particular scenario and why they're doing it or why they would want to do it. But yeah, you can borrow up to 100,000. The previous loan limit was 50,000 from the 401k. And you can also delay the repayment on that for up to a year. You typically have to repay the loan though within five years, depending on how the plan is structured. Uh, but it's a, it's a unique situation. So it really just depends on what they're doing it, why they're doing it. If you, if you don't need to borrow it, I mean, okay, well, what would be the reasons as to why you're asking me to do so? Again, another great reason why this is something you need to discuss with a financial professional, somebody who's in your corner, but who can see things you can't necessarily see and who has the perspective uh, on your goals to help you get there, even as we go through these ups and downs. Yeah. And Adrian, could I add actually one thing to that? I think a plan is the most important thing because over the last 10 years, prior to, I guess, this year, we saw that we could just throw money at most investments and everybody was making money and it was working out. And then we saw this hit us in the face and people started to panic and scramble. And that's when I started getting more and more phone calls about what to do. So I think ultimately having a plan, it's great to have investments. It's great to start young. It's great to have all those things. But I think a plan aligning with your goals is going to put you farther ahead than getting a decent return in your brokerage account. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's easy to make money when everybody's making money. Uh, it's the most important thing is not to lose it when everybody's losing it. Yes. Really great insight. Michael Obanoff is an investment advisor representative with Wild Wealth Management Group. Michael, thanks for joining us for the conversation today. Thank you, Adrian. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to Valley Business Radio on your favorite podcast app. You can also find the latest episodes online at valleybusinessradio.com. For all of us here at phx.fm, I'm Adrian McIntyre. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Valley Business Radio. Wild Wealth Management Group has ranked as one of the top advisors for the 12th consecutive year on Barron's Top 1200 Financial Advisors, ranked number one in Arizona for 2020. Award recipient Trevor Wild, Financial Advisor at Wild Wealth Management Group. Barron's Top 1200 Advisors. Over 4,000 advisors who wish to be ranked fill out a 102-question survey about their practice. Data is verified and then applied to a ranking formula. The ranking reflects the volume of assets overseen by the advisors and their teams, revenues generated for the firm, and the quality of the advisor's practices. The scoring system assigns a top score of 100 and rates the rest by comparing them with the top-ranked advisor. Listing in this publication and or award is not a guarantee of future investment success. This recognition should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client. Securities and advisory services offered through Cetera Advisors LLC, member FINRA, SIPIC, a broker-dealer, and a registered investment advisor. Cetera is under separate ownership from any other named entity. 
7025 North Scottsdale Road, Suite 115, Scottsdale, Arizona, 85253.